Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the King Kumar podcast, where you will be inspired to make your dreams a reality and accomplish your goals. As we enter the time where you guys are starting to make your New Year's resolutions, I want you guys to listen to this podcast to gain some tips, to gain that motivation to get off your couch, to stop watching football, stop watching Netflix, and make your dreams a reality. Today, on my podcast, I talk to Bill Young, a former Naperville Central student who went to South Carolina, South Cal- Carolina, or South Cal- California. I think South Carolina, sorry, South Carolina, and he won a lacrosse championship there before transferring to the University of Michigan. And today, Bill and I discuss all about sports sports mentality and even go into some stuff about business so before i get this podcast started and before i even talk about um some some announcements i want to start you guys with a quote winners never quit and quitters never win if you quit you don't win and if you if you if you never quit then you will win yes there will be failure Yes, there will be stumbles in the road. It's not easy to win. It's not easy to win a Super Bowl. It's not easy to win a um, a World Series. It's not easy to win an NBA championship. It's not easy to win a championship in lacrosse. It's hard. It takes work. It takes hard work. It takes works in. It takes work in the gym. It takes it. It takes film. It takes looking at film. It takes practicing. It takes never, never, ever quitting. And I want to show you one more quote by Pele. The more difficult the victory, the greater the happiness in winning. I feel like the greater the difficulty, the, the greater it, the taste of the thrill of the win is. Um, there was a recent, I forgot what team won the World Series, but they were one of the worst teams before they won the World Series. They went through some difficult times. This team, I think the Washington Nationals, they lost Bryce Harper. And teams just said, oh, yeah, without Bryce, you guys probably aren't going to win anything. And they won. They proved everyone wrong. They went through struggles. They lost their best player, and yet they won that game. They won a World Series. So today, I hope you learn a thing or two or more. I hope you learn to never quit. and. How the brotherhood, what I hope we learn about the brotherhood of sports and how sports can help you accomplish your goals. Some very quick, quick, quick announcements. So don't forget that giveaway is still up and running. And to enter this giveaway first, you must share the King Kumar podcast and listen. So first step, listen. Second step, share the podcast on your social media. So my Instagram is King Kumar, a little underscore on the bottom, 23. And my Twitter is King Kumar's pod. Finally, if you can, please give me a rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. This really helps my podcast grow and helps my podcast be reached by other people. Um, even if you can just write a paragraph, or even if you just have time to just give me all the five stars, or not, just it's just dependent on you. Um, feedback is helpful to me, so I can help improve this podcast. So please, please, please give me a rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the King 
Kumar podcast with Bill Young. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the King Kumar podcast, where you will be inspired to embark on your dreams and make those dreams a reality. You will also be inspired to accomplish your goals through my interviews with my guests. Today, I have a special guest on the show, a former Naperville Central student and current Michigan University uh, student, Bill Young. Um, Bill um, plays, has a big lacrosse influence. So we're gonna talk about that. And yeah, without further ado, Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. So, Bill, for those who don't know you, kind of give a quick introduction on who you kind of are. Well, uh, I attended Naperville Central High School, uh, graduated the class of 2017, and that's how I uh, know Advase. Um, from there, I then uh, went on to play lacrosse at the University of South Carolina, where this past year we won the MCLA Division One National Championship. Um, and I'm now a student at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So did you transfer from South Carolina to Michigan? Yep. And yep. what was kind of the reasoning behind that? Um, well, for me, I guess, is I had always wanted to go to Michigan. So it actually took me four applications to get there. So okay. um, after winning the national championship, I had basically accomplished a big goal of mine. Um, and the next step was to then go to my dream school. So once I was admitted, I kind of made the leap, which wasn't the easiest decision, but it's been working out great for me thus far. Awesome. So when you applied the first, second, third time, you didn't get in. Yeah. You basically failed. How did that, how did that failure teach you to like how did the first time when you failed teach you to be better the second time to be a better the third time and then to finally get into Michigan State so what did that experience teach you well it it's definitely um the first second third it's very discouraging um through that process I know a lot of seniors in high school who are listening to this will probably be getting their uh acceptance or rejection letters uh, within the next four or five months. But I, I guess it's one of those things where after getting rejected, it really hurt. Um, kind of took 24 hours to have my pity party. And then it was, what do I need to do so I can accomplish this goal? So it was kind of putting your nose to the grindstone and getting back to work um, and deciding if that was something I really wanted to achieve. So um, I haven't applied to college yet, but I will be applying to um, U of I this outcome when the application opens. So I don't have any experience of, you know, rejection from um, college. However, um, I remember uh, my high school, my, in our high school, um, we kind of lost uh, this football, the, the, a playoff game, and this was my senior year. And basically, we don't know play, what playoffs are. If you lose, you basically go home. Playoffs are like how you kind of get to the championship level. And I remember, uh, like, we 
um, failed and we didn't win that game. Um, it was against Maine South and uh, we lost, but, um, and it was sad, but then I noticed how many of the guys, for example, Tommy Holiday, um, kind of used that as motivation to become better and to become better athletes so that um, this would never happen again, or at least for when it did happen again, they would have, they would be much better at it. So yeah, that was my experience on rejection. So um, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, kind of let's go back into deep. Let's go into high school. Um, in high school, I would say you're a very extroverted person, kind of like me. And um, you were very uh, vocal and um, very just into everything in high school. So kind of talk to me about like um, that. Like, do you consider yourself an extroverted person? Um. I, I guess yes and no. Um, obviously, when I had first met you, Advaith, I was a sophomore um, in high school. But uh, initially, I was not extroverted at all. Um, I had transferred into Central at first. So I had actually gone to, um, for those of listening that are from Naperville, I went to Washington Junior High, which is supposed to go to Naperville North. Um, and in middle school, I got bullied a lot. So it was really tough for me in middle school. So we had, pardon me. Um, so it was one of those things where I had actually chosen to transfer to Naperville Central because um, that was where my family had all gone before me. My grandfather had taught there and my uncle still teaches there. Um, so I didn't know anyone when I first got to Central. Um, so I, I guess at first it, was, it wasn't that easy to kind of open up. But lacrosse definitely gave me an opportunity to make friends. And then from there, once I was comfortable, by the time I was a junior and senior, I kind of came out of my shell and was more extroverted. So um, I, I don't want to bring up your bullying, but I think it brings up a good point that like that I talked about with, um, with Cole Adams, a YouTuber. And we basically talked about like how you know, bullying occurs, like, it's because, you know, most students, like, they're having something going on at home, or they're being bullied themselves, or even, like, there's, like, just a lot of negativity in this world, and that kind of causes bullying, and on a further scale, something worse, where, yeah, something really worse, where someone ends up getting hurt, or even they end up dying, and we just talked about like how maybe it's not all up. It's about like how we can better spread positivity um, so that these situations where people are getting hurt or killed don't happen. But because there's so much positivity in this world and um, we talked about like how the world can be more positive. And I want to get kind of your thoughts on that. How, from like, from your experience, how would you say we can spread positivity? Well, I, I guess in my experience specifically, um, when I was a freshman at Central and I didn't know anyone, I used to, for the people who know the school, I used to go sit on the stairs in the lunchroom for lunch when I first started there. Um, and this one day, it was like the second month of school, this, uh, this kid came up to me. His name is Dan Sackley, and I can't thank him enough. And he just 
came up and asked me if I wanted to sit with him. He was a junior. I was a freshman. There's no reason for him to have come up to me other than that he was a great person. Um, and I think there's little things that everyone can do that it doesn't take a whole lot of effort, but just going out of their way to kind of make someone else have a good day. When you realize maybe someone's a little down or having a rough one, just kind of giving them a pat on the back or seeing if there's anything they need. Um, oftentimes it's just, the, it's the little stuff like that. Um, and then eventually you're able to kind of find your own community, find your team in my case, where I was able to, um, make friends and have people say hi to in the hallway. Uh, but yeah, I can't thank Dan Sackley enough for, uh, letting me sit with him at lunch that first semester freshman year. Um, but yeah, it, it did a lot for me and I hoped I was able to kind of do some similar things later in my high school career when I, uh, when I was more extroverted, as you said. Well, you definitely did. You were in adapted PE. And the reason I bring this up is because that's also positivity. Like, um, even though, like, for when you, whenever you guys would hang out with the kids like me, like people with autism or Down syndrome, they'd be really happy. And I know you saw it firsthand how that experience kind of changed you and that's been so much positivity i feel like central because of adapted they're more positive than maybe other schools like there's not many cases of bullying at our school i mean i'm sure there is but not as much as like other schools and i feel like adapted is a big reason for that for those who are just listening and this is the first podcast of mine adapted pe is basically where some peers hang out with um, kids with disabilities. So this can be from like autism, this can be like Down syndrome, and they basically like help them make friends and help them better adapt to the world and teach them the social skills that they need to be successful in the real real world. So Bill, I know you had, you were in Adapted, and if I remember correctly, you were in um, Ikamas Tribe uh, one year, so kind of talk to me about what that experience kind of taught you when you kind of were that person who would notice like how many of these kids and help them, like how many of these kids are and help them be positive. Well, yeah, I, I'd like to think that I was able to help ICMA a little bit, but I know ICMA helped me a lot more uh, than I can ever explain in terms of the stuff I learned from him, he always had a positive attitude and was wanting to make friends with everyone. Um, and yeah, no, wor working with kids like Ikema or um, Joey or Nick Marino, th those were, it was a great time. Um, Mrs. A had developed a great program at Central um, where everyone felt included and it was a great community um, that you could go to every day and just kind of enjoy yourself. And yeah, no, Adaptive PE was a great way to kind of contribute to uh, making Central a better place. And I, I do think other schools are missing out because they don't have similar programs. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one point because, like, it made me grow as a person. Like, even though we didn't have Adapted, you saw it firsthand how some of the guys that I'm friends with who you are also friends with, like AJ, for mm -hmm. example, like... I know I talk about AJ a lot, and I'm going to get him on the podcast soon, but I don't think anyone knows, really knows, like, how much he changed my life, 
like I was like a really weird kid and then AJ kind of helped me um learn the social skills that I needed like I didn't know some of that and he would kind of help me out and teach me like hey you should do this and hey you shouldn't do that and he helped me like grow as a person and gave me this confidence like to be honest I don't know if I would doing be doing this podcast without um AJ giving me the courage and helping me like little ways to do this but yeah so um let's kind of talk about your lacrosse so how did you first uh, fall in love with lacrosse? Well, so I started playing lacrosse in eighth grade. Um, basically, I was, as I had said, I was having a rough time in middle school. So I was looking for a sport that was uh, outside of basically at middle school because I wanted to be as far away from middle school as possible. Um, and I, obviously at the time I was, uh, I was un, I was overweight and out of shape and uh, not very athletic, so I got put uh, I got put in goal as a goalie um, for lacrosse. And then when I transferred to Central, um, when you transfer in Illinois, you have to take a year off of uh, competing um, in your sport, and that's just to try to keep kids from transferring to schools just for the purpose of uh, playing sports. Um, and then it was my sophomore year when we had a coach, Jake Padilla, who uh, came to Central. Um, and he was a, uh, he had a very big influence on me. Um, when I had first gotten to Central, I had never really thought of myself as being a varsity athlete. I was more kind of playing lacrosse because I wanted a way to uh, make friends. So guys like Tommy Coyne, Nick Roy, uh, Jake Demar, Jack Graff, Adam Borghetti, um, Jordan Chrissy. That year, it was that's kind of when I was first able to uh, be a part of a team. And uh, Coach Padilla had basically he instilled a lot of confidence in me um, by telling me that I had to perform for my, the teammates around me, um, and that it was I had to put in the work to perform. And, uh, yeah, so, and I, I guess from there, he kind of, uh, he, re he really lit that fire in my belly to, uh, put in the work and, uh, get good at my craft. Yeah. I think that definitely coaches have a big influence on their athletes. Like there are some amazing coaches out there who influence these athletes and who have like maybe an athlete who has gone through some rough times and maybe they have some kind of like drug addiction or something and make them be structured and help them overcome that. For example, uh, Bill Belichick, who is a head coach of the Patriots, like that guy is a basically a no discipline guy. And when uh, people go into the Patriots system, they come out a lot different from when they go in, unless you're Antonio Brown. But, uh, yeah, like, for example, like, Randy Moss was, like, that known for, like, being a big party guy and being all crazy, and then he went into the Patriots system, and he changed. Like, I think that some coaches definitely change their players and make them become better, so I'm glad that you had that experience, and um, kind of talk to me about, like, um, I, know, I, I don't know if you want to be a coach, but kind of talk to me about, you know, three 
things that um like maybe like a coach should either learn or three things that a coach is doing like wonderfully um influencing their athletes um well yeah so i actually my summer job is i coach uh lacrosse for the travel team true lacrosse um in illinois and i work with their uh west regional team and their state team but i i guess one of the biggest things for me um in terms of what makes a great coach is being able to know how to motivate your players um each individually um for coach padilla in my situation he he realized that i i had a lot of uh, a lot of fears and uh that i was uh i guess i was I had very low self confidence um at the time so he basically twisted that around and it was uh him and coach rogers that year they uh they basically tried to instill this screw you attitude um for people that if there's someone that's putting you down or someone that's talking trash or just beat you on the play, the next play, it's screw you. I'm going to do it better. Um, and that was something that they instilled across the board. And they, they knew how to motivate every individual. Um, obviously, Tommy Coyne is a great story um, of someone that came out of that same system and has really performed at the highest level. Motivating him is different than motivating me. Um, so coaches being able to understand their players um, is a huge key to success. Um, discipline, as well as you had mentioned, setting a system up for your players to play within. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest things that um, some of our teams struggled with, actually, at Naperville Central, is we were very player-led. Um, my junior and senior year in 2016 and 17 – so there was some discipline. There's some lack of discipline, but we made up for it in the talent department, which is not the most reliable way to uh, perform at any sport. So, but yeah, no, I, I definitely motivating your players, having discipline, um, and I guess being able to understand the situation and kind of level everyone out, not too high, not too low. Um, being the steady beat that carries a team um, is a huge key for coaches, at least in my experience. Very interesting. I like what you said, like how like one person, you have to motivate one person differently from another person. And like I keep saying, like Bill Belichick, he's a genius. Like he figured out how to motivate someone like Tom Brady versus someone like Julian Edelman, for example. And um, I would say that Bill Belichick is a great coach. And I think that coaches who spread positivity and motivate their players in whichever way they choose, they're very successful. Um, Even though the Bears are having a bad season, um, I think that Matt Nagy, he's a great coach. Maybe our quarterback needs to play better, yes. But Matt Nagy is a great guy in motivating these guys to become uh, successful, to play, to have that next play mentality where one play doesn't define you. And if you have someone hating on you in that play, go prove them wrong and go work harder than they do. And he has that awesome uh, mentality to do that. Even when he did the club dubs, that was something that the Bears didn't do, but he instilled 
And that's like kind of a motivation. Like if you win, you get clubbed up. And we haven't had that in a while, but I'm sure that being the great coach Matt Nagy is, I'm sure that he will fix the Bears and kind of turn them around. And uh, we'll kind of touch on the Bears a little bit later. But uh, I want to talk to you about, now let's focus on how lacrosse changed for you um, in high school versus in college. Um, so I guess going from high school to college, the biggest difference, um, and Tommy had touched on this and even to a greater extent in his situation, um, all of a sudden everyone is their school's best player. I guess going from instead of especially look in lacrosse's case coming from Illinois, um, Illinois is not the biggest lacrosse state. So being able to just have a few talented players, you often have a very good team just in that sense um, versus once you start going up to the next level, all of a sudden everyone on the, everyone on the field is good. There's no one that's kind of a, uh, there's no weak link, I guess, in that scenario. Um, and it ends up coming down to everyone's talented. It's who's going to put in the work, um, who's going to do the work outside of practice. And those are generally the teams that end up performing. Yes, very interesting. I like what you said. And I think that another thing that I would like to add is that I feel like teams that put them, not themselves first, but put the team ahead of them, they're also very successful. Because if you're going to put yourself um, before others, you're going to fail and you're not going to um, be successful. So basically what I mean by this is like if you, there is no I in team. Team is a bunch of people working together to accomplish a goal. And if you cannot, you will fail. And I think that a big Example of this is the Antonio Brown situation where Antonio Brown had, he knew that he had all this talent, but he created such a diva for himself that he wanted to become like a star, like a celebrity almost. And that kind of ruined his career in the NFL, like that kind of took over him and he's failed in the, in the NFL. I mean, he didn't even make the preachers. Like, you know, something is wrong when you don't when you get released by the Patriots, something is definitely wrong, like in what the things that you're doing and you have to realize that if you put the team in front of you, you probably um would be successful. And I think that Antonio Brown uh failed uh failed this in um in Pittsburgh and then in Oakland he just went all crazy and wanted his own helmet. And he was really making a big deal of himself, getting into fights with his GM, all because he was so full of himself that he didn't realize that he needs to put the team before himself. So um, I know you like football. So kind of what's your, what's your thoughts and kind of what I said? Do you agree with why Antonio Brown failed based on my reasons or no? And if not, uh, why? Uh. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. Um, Brown, as you said, has all the talent in the world, but he wasn't able to uh, he wasn't able to focus it properly towards a team effort, and that's also why 
he never had a ring. His teams never were consistently successful for long periods of time, especially mm-hmm. after he got that new contract. Um, I know last week on your podcast with Tommy, uh, Tommy had mentioned the difference between uh, the team in 2016 versus the team in 2017 um, at Naperville Central for lacrosse. Um, our 2016 team was it was it was a brother it was much more of a brotherhood. It was all for the team versus 2017. Everyone seemed to kind of focus on kind of improving their own statistics. Kind of it was much more selfish play. And while we had a good season, we definitely did not perform the same way we did in that uh, previous year. And it definitely was not nearly as fulfilling of an experience. Interesting. So based on your experience, would you say that brotherhood is a big, um, big influencer or big influencer to help you get to that championship level? Yeah, you have to be able to trust the guy to your left and to your right and know that they're giving everything they have um, on the field. Like if you're not able to trust that they're doing everything in their power to go win the game, then you're never going to be able to fully commit to anything. So brotherhood is huge when it comes to um, competing, especially in contact sports, being able to trust the guy next to you is going to be doing their best. Um, And yeah, that's that's the major key to success. (laughs) Interesting. And I think that this doesn't just um, occur in sports. But also in companies, if you look at the most successful companies, so if you look at Facebook, Netflix, Google, um, the reason why most of these companies are successful is because they have built a system in which people are not necessarily motivated to be, like not necessarily motivated to be the best, but are motivated to help the company and help the company grow. And I think that when they do get full of themselves, like full of greed, they will fail. For example, in uh, 2008, uh, there was this company called Lehman Brothers. And Lehman Brothers, if you don't know, was like this big mortgage firm, kind of like um, Chase, or kind of like, they were like in a big investment firm, actually. And in 2008, they failed due to the financial crisis. And one of these reasons was that um, the CEO, Dick Fold, he he had someone offered him like, hey, I'll buy your shares of XXX amount and I'll be, kind of not bail you out, but at a, but a lower price. And Dick Fold was so himself, full of himself and he was so adamant that his company was worth more than that, that that opportunity slipped away and Liam Brothers ended up being one of the biggest uh, failures, you know, in the investment world. And if you look at most of the companies that have failed, it's due to some sort of the same reason, maybe not in the same way, but they do have the same factors that play into uh, play into that occurred them uh, to kind of fail in whatever they're doing. So while we are on this call. Cult- this college topic. Um, first of all, I want to ask you: Do you play lacrosse at Michigan? Uh, I had a walk-on uh, opportunity. I had a tryout with the uh, varsity team when I first got here, 
Um, unfortunately, there was some unforeseen stuff in the background, so um, that did not work out. Um, I'm actually now playing rugby uh, at Michigan, um, which has been great thus far. Definitely a new, definitely a, a new sport and a new challenge to tackle, but uh, it's been doing real great thus far. Okay. So when I ask this, I'm going to ask this question, and it's a bit controversial. So let me know first if people would like to speak on this, um, what I can say. So kind of what are your thoughts on student athletes being paid? And um, there was this, the reason I asked this is because um, last week, um, the bill, that the, there was a bill passed called the Fair Play Act. So what this is, is basically this guy named Gavin Newsom, who's the um, governor of California, passes a um, deal where student athletes could be paid for their name and likeness. Um, because like to me, as an outside perspective, I do feel like student athletes should be paid because at least, at least for their likeness, because that's not fair when someone else can start their own YouTube channel, but you can't because you're an athlete. That doesn't really make sense to me. And very recently, the NCCA also signed off on that, and they say that they will sign this deal. So, what is your, um, what is what is your thoughts on athletes being paid? And also, do you like this new Fair Play Act? Well, I guess to start off, I do believe athletes should be paid. Um, one of the toughest things for them, especially for lower income athletes, is they put in all these hours of work towards their sport, um, yet they have no opportunity to make an income the same way another student working at the bookstore would be able to do. So I do think student athletes should be paid. Um, the issue I see with the current way they have uh, the new bill for the NCAA kind of lined up is that there's now increased opportunities uh, for the bigger schools. So the Al the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, e even Michigan um, to become even bigger than they already are in terms of kind of being able to uh, get the best players because of the endorsement opportunities for those players, um, it, it basically, it makes the rich richer um, and schools that may have been kind of in the middle or may have been on the lower end of the division one level are going to struggle now even more in recruiting because um, there's going to be greater opportunities for student athletes to be making money at the largest institutions and the most famous institutions. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Interesting. I know that I, I love what you said. That's a good point that I didn't really, I mean, I thought of that, but I didn't take that into much of account. I was seeing, oh, these athletes are getting paid for their likeness and that's good. And I didn't look at these other factors. So how would you fix that? Like, how would you kind of make sure that these, like these um, colleges aren't necessarily a monopoly and they're giving other opportunities for smaller colleges, like, for example, um, say, COD, College of DuPage, or um, even like a school like Wake Forest, uh, Western Michigan, some of these smaller schools, like Butler, for example, um, Drake, 
for some of these schools to also get some cream of the crop talent? How would you fix that? Um, if I was to be writing the rules, I guess I wouldn't. Eh. Although I would love to pay players for their likeness, I feel like that creates too many issues behind the scenes in terms of being able to uh, being able to find external endorsements for them at these bigger schools. I feel like the fairest way to do it would to have every athlete make a basically what would be a minimum wage for their hours of practice. So whether that's their practice time, their travel time, their games, if the NCAA minimum wage was set at $9 an hour, um, it would be similar to, as I said earlier, if someone was to work in the bookstore, they're now being paid for the work they're doing. And even though the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama may be, quote unquote, more valuable and more talented, they're not necessarily putting in more work than the third string walk on at Western Michigan. It's the same time put in. Um, so I'd argue because college was meant to be, even though I think the idea of amateur sports is a little ridiculous, is, but to keep it from becoming completely professional, I feel like that would be a good way to solve it, but I don't really have a good answer that fixes everyone's problems on that. Well, I would do the this way. So I would first have a set amount, like you said, that each athlete will get paid um, a basic amount. And for most of the athletes who are on that upper scale, I feel like they should probably earn the most since they are a star, but not too much. Like, I don't think there should be a big gap between an athlete who men, don't, many people don't know and an athlete who most people do know. So like a Zion Williamson versus some guy named um, some guy, any guy, I feel like um, they, they, they should have an equal opportunity. And I also feel like they should have an uh, equal opportunity to get sponsorships. For example, like a player like Zion Williamson, they're going to get more sponsorships than someone smaller. And I feel like these smaller kids should also get a sponsorship. Like, whether that is to promoting, like, a shirt, whether that is promoting a podcast, promoting anything, I feel like they should also have the same opportunities as a star to receive a sponsorship. Also, I would add, like to add in one more factor. Like, I just don't think this should just stop at athletes getting paid. But I also feel like most of these athletes should have access to some insurance and maybe they pay a little bit of it, maybe not because in football, in lacrosse, in basketball, anything can change in a moment and you never know when this is going to happen, but it can literally change your life and many of these students, many of these athletes, when they do get hurt, they're not able to pay it off. Uh, one of the biggest examples that I can talk about is Eric Legrand, who was a former football player um, at Rutgers. And I kind of talked about this in one of my podcasts. But basically, on a kickoff, Eric Legrand, um, basically, he got hit so hard that he became paralyzed and he cannot walk to this day. And I feel like 
they should have access to some kind of insurance or something so that all that burden of them paying it off isn't just on them, but it's also, they can also get help for that. So that's kind of my thoughts. And I also do believe that these student athletes should be paid. Um, one of the reasons being these injuries and another one of um, other reasons being such as, you know, the amount of work they're putting in. And so, and also one of the points that um, you didn't touch on, but I would like to, is that, um, for example, let's say that um, I started my own YouTube channel. Well, according to the laws, I am allowed to be profit off of that. But if an app, another athlete started on YouTube channel, they are not allowed to. Um, the two biggest examples is uh, destroying. Um, he was a kicker at UCF, and basically, um, the NCCA and their his um team, his coach, called him in, and they were like, "Hey, man, you can't get paid for this." And he was like, he found it unfair, like how someone else could do it, but not him. So I feel like with this fair play act, I feel like a big thing that um the NCCA should do is allow and use that lead. So if you do start a YouTube channel to make money off of that, because even a smaller guy can make money off of that and also a bigger guy. So it's kind of more fair. That's kind of my thoughts on that. So um Bill, um you said that you when you were at South Carolina, um, you won a championship. So kind of how did how did that whole thing happen? Like how did you guys reach the ultimate level that every college team wants to be at? Well, um, so during the regular season, um, so the South Carolina, before I had ever arrived there, made it to the final four um, for the MCLA the, the year prior. Um, and then once I stepped on campus, um, we basically, for that regular season, we lost two games, one to Liberty University and the other to Chapman University um, in Los Angeles. Uh, lucky for us, we were able to go on a revenge tour. We won our conference championship, uh, beating Georgia Tech and Liberty University and the University of Georgia um, in that tournament, and then got an invitation to Salt Lake City to play at the national championship tournament, where we beat uh, the University of Santa Clara, Liberty University once again for the second time, and then we were able to uh, avenge our loss to Chapman in the semifinals and then beat the undefeated Cal Golden Bears um, from the University of California, Berkeley, in the championship. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it was a wild ride and definitely, definitely a lot of work. That's interesting. I love your story. I, I love how that, that whole thing happened. It kind of reminds me of the Nationals and um, – the Nationals won the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. And if I remember correctly, they were one of the worst teams. I mean, they just lost Bryce Harper, who was a very popular and successful baseball player. And yet they were able to overcome that loss, overcome other losses, and get to the World Series and even win that. So I, can, I won't even tie this into the Chicago Bears season. Like, yeah, we're three and five. But... It doesn't necessarily mean we're out of the playoffs. We can still turn it around. And I would say that don't boost hope on things. There's all, if you put in the work, 
And if you believe, it will happen. So that's something that they say, like, don't give up, have hope, believe, work hard, and you can accomplish your goals. So, Bill, uh, you obviously have had some goals in your life, whether that is through helping improve your lacrosse team, or how did you improving your lacrosse team, or even um, in college, like having a goal to study or to get that grade? How do you accomplish your goals? Well, I, I guess for me, um, my biggest thing is I've never been the most athletically gifted or academically gifted uh, student. I do a lot of work outside of um, outside of what most people would consider general practice. Um, as cliche as it is, um, I think who is I think it's Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson said, "Refuse to be outworked." Um, if you get beat by someone that's more talented, you fair, but never get beat by someone who outworked you. So like in high school, I would get to school um, super early. So class started at 745. I'd be at school by about 615 um, in the morning, um, be able to start doing homework in the morning and getting extra work done. And then at the end of the day, we would have lacrosse practice from 9 to 11 at night and I would stay uh, after practice and get a lift in in the weight room um, to the point that the janitors started teaching me how to lock up uh, downstairs for those of you that went to Central. Um, but yeah, so I, for me, it's been never been the most gifted, but I've always been willing to put in work outside of uh, normal practices or normal study hours. And that's kind of how I've been able to accomplish my goals. Interesting. So um, one of the things that I asked Tommy was that like how an experience kind of changed him and how it made him a better person and how that kind of taught him like how to overcome failure, how to overcome all, any circumstance to accomplish his goal. So I kind of want to ask you, do you have like a story? Like it doesn't have to be emotional. Um, I would like it to be, but if it's not, that's okay. But something that can inspire someone else to accomplish their goals and whatever they're going through to overcome that? Um, well, so I guess going back to uh, when I was in middle school, I, and obviously, as I had said, I had a very rough middle school. Um, and then before I had even decided to transfer to Central, I went to Naperville North's lacrosse summer camp or whatever, try to see if I could make some friends at camp. Um, and unfortunately I, I ran into an even worse circumstance where I ended up being tied to the goal and shot on. Um, and it really stuck with me. So, uh, after I had that kind of screw you attitude had been instilled in me, I put in the work as much as possible. Um, to, by the time I was a senior, we, uh, played Naperville North uh, at home senior year and uh, they scored one goal. And for people who don't know lacrosse, generally the average number of goals a team teams generally score anywhere from six to 12 goals in a game. Um, and North scored one goal the whole game. I, I'm still mad at myself that I gave them a goal, but being able to, uh, 
I guess, have Naperville North's fans, kids that gave me a hard time in middle school, come to Central and watch their team get blown out. Uh, it felt really good, <laughs> to be completely honest. Uh, it felt good to prove them wrong in that scenario. Interesting. Thank you so much for the story. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Bill. Um, it means a lot. And I learned a lot of things that I necessarily didn't know about you on this podcast. And I hope that you also enjoy this podcast. And I want to applaud you for your efforts. So with that, I'm going to give you some applause. <laughs> thank you, Advice. It was great to be on here. Thanks for having me. No problem. And before we go, I want to ask you the last question of the day. And that is for someone who wants to accomplish their goal or their dream, since my motto is for them to have the influence, the, the motivation to make their dreams a reality, how can they make that happen? And what are your tips? Well, for me, whether it's sports or school, um, Whenever I have set a goal for myself, it's identify what you want to do and go all in head first. Because um, regardless of whether or not it doesn't work out, at the end of the day, you want to be able to say that you had no regrets. There's nothing more you could have done to have accomplished that goal. Um, and if you're able to give everything you can to what you want to achieve, uh, that's all you can ask. I love that. I don't, don't live a, don't, and yes, making decisions is hard. Decisions are hard, but don't live a life of regret. You never want to be there. If you want to do something, go do it. Like for this podcast, I've always wanted to do it, but I said, you know what? I'm not going to have this regret of me not starting. I don't care if I'm going to fail. I don't care if it's going to be bad. I'm just going to start because I know from that I will learn and I will become better. I just have to start. And I feel like that's the hard part for many students. It's starting that one. It's starting. It's not necessarily putting in the work. It's that if you start, it all becomes easy. That's the hardest step, I would say. So again, Bill, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And um, I hope you have a great day. And um, thank you guys for listening to King Kumar podcast. And without further ado, I am out.